0: Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com, or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk, hanging. William Yokely, thank you so much for coming back on ATV Talk. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good, my friend. Uh, How about
0: yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, Just uh, busy trying to keep up with the demands.
1: Yeah. I hear that. I'm the same here. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I enjoyed, enjoyed catching up with you the last show. And uh, it's been a long time since I sat down and, uh, just talked about a lot of those old memories and, uh, had had a lot of fun rehashing it all. So we'll see what kind of trouble we can get into tonight.
0: All right. Did did you, did you bring back a lot of bench racing for you? to talking about some of that stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it, it, it's not every day now, you know, being, uh, it's being kind of, I guess somewhat, uh, disconnected from racing really anymore with, uh, you know, with, uh, with the family and with just everyday life, uh, with the new, you know, career path of chosen and, you know, with uh, being in church on the weekends and it just, there's not really a lot of a time to do anything else. And, uh, and racing is something that it's, uh, it's kind of took a back seat for me now, but it's fun to, uh, so to, to bring all these old memories up, and then to hear a lot of things that you you brought up, and, and it just kind of uh, kind of brings back some good old memories. So,
0: well, I'm I'm glad, and I'm I know that the fans are loving it because I still get requests for you to come back, and like some of the other people that I'm still trying to track down. Uh, it brings back memories for me and and takes me places every time that I get to sit down and talk to a legend such as yourself. It, it, it's it's really amazing. I get uh, it, I, I want to say it's a fanboy moment because I get them all the time because I, I get to sit down and talk to guys that I, I got to race against you in the desert. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really wasn't against you. I was more a fan watching you go by. But, uh, you know, we were still in the same class racing at the same time. And uh, it, it it was just an extraordinary, fun, fun time in my life. I never got to go race on the East Coast with you. You had to come out here on the West Coast. But that brings me to a big question that I have, and I've been thinking about it ever since the last time we talked. You were a master in XC racing and you were a master in desert racing. They are 1000% different on an ATV. Can you get into the differences and how you did it?
1: Well, you know, um, Uh, it's a it's a pretty deep question, and I'm sure that there we could it, the more talk and there are more things we dig up. Uh, but I will say this: while um, you know, that while they are so different, they're also so much the same in a sense of you, 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 well, every 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 kind of race, and especially off road racing or anything. I mean, it doesn't give you any good uh, to start if you can't finish. And just like they say, you 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 drive for show, you putt for dough. It's you know how, how you gonna how you got to play the game from start to finish, and and how you finish up is just as important as how you start. Actually, it's more important than how you start. Uh, but you know that's kind of not really very. That's not a very specific answer. <laughs> so, but as and the mindset of it is, uh, you know they're they're very uh, uh, they 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 are very different. You know with the GNCC i uh, i it i some of these things I take for granted because uh I grew up it's just things that become natural you know growing up uh I, everything I learn is from mistakes, <laughs> and you know the uh you just you just learn from mistakes and and I don't know of any racer uh who would ever say that that any different really it's like you go out and you gotta put seat time in and and, uh, you know, you, you screw up to figure out how not to screw up, right? And you never know how fast you can go until you go too fast, and then you cross that invisible line, and you get a big <laughs> mouthful of dirt, and, you know, you're knocked into your childhood memories, and then you, you know, stand up realize, oh, I'm still alive. You know, that hurts. So then it's like, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. But, uh, you know, with GNCC, it was, um, gosh, it's it's really hard to explain, you know, and uh it's you know like i said i've I've made so many mistakes and i think when when um we're going going up coming up in the lower classes like when i when i started out say lower class when i started out in the b class and a worked my way up um you know i learned a lot uh it's it's anybody a lot of people can go fast but not everybody can play the game and you know it's such a mental game and and I didn't know that it's, it's not, everything's won by muscle. You gotta be, you gotta use your brain, you know, like saying it's uh you know, it's like in the GNCC, you know, on a dusty day, you can't ride like a complete idiot because you're going to tear your front wheel off and break a wrist or something. Cause you're going to hit a tree or somebody else. And, uh, you know, on a muddy day, or even you come up on those muddy sections, uh, you know, getting in a big hurry and just getting impatient, and bailing off into a deep mud hole before you really take time to think about it. Uh, you're going to take yourself out of the race. You know what I mean? There's all the different, different scenarios. And, um, and so really in, you know, in, in kind of giving your time to get into the race and, uh, you know, it's a two hour race. So it's always, you got to remember that. And, uh, and so once you kind of settle in, and as I got up went up through the ranks it was it was when I was in the pro class uh that I finally every, each year we would go faster and faster and faster, so it's kind of edgy because you're going faster than you ever really had before you know in the, in the in that type of terrain. and but one day I realized i I was just relaxed, and for some reason I was just i don't know I was just relaxed, but that's when I really started going a lot faster. And, uh, so there was a lot, there was a lot to learn in the GNCC and, and, uh, um, you know, whether I answer this question in a way that's real, that gives everybody a real good, clear picture or not, but it's a, it's a very in-depth answer and question. Uh, you know, so, so the GNCC was, it's, you had to be, you had to be aggressive, but also patient and you got to find your comfort zone. And uh, I think with anything, I think it applies to ATVs, motorcycles, football, baseball, basketball. I watch athletes now, I watch my ki- my kids performing things, and I realize, I just say, I tell them, hey, guys, you, you got to figure out how to be relaxed. I said, you're good. You're good at what you do. You you got to get your mental game down and re- just, just relax and, and just let it come to you. Uh, and you will you'll outperform yourself you'll perform so much better because you're just you perform better relaxed and you do all 10 stuff and uh so you got to learn and get comfortable with your surroundings which is pretty chaotic at times and and all the stuff going on and you know the fact that you're just you're barreling through the trees you're barely skimming your tires and you just got to focus on the finish line and uh so there was a lot to learn from in the GNCC side of things and, uh, and you know, how to be patient, but also be aggressive and, and and really focus on what's going on and understanding your machine and really uh, becoming one with your machine. Now some of these things cross over from uh, GNCC to desert. What I'm saying, you know, is there are differences, but a lot of it's kind of the same. I, I always say that you know you kind of gotta you and your machine you gotta be one, you can't be fighting each other. You gotta flow. You gotta get together. It, it has to work. You gotta work as one unit, and uh, <clears throat> but but anyway, and, and you're just trying to get down to the to the last half of the race, and then the last half or last one third of that race. That's when you know you've got enough time. There's enough laps in there. The track's beat in, and that's when it's time just to dig deep and just and just charge because you're used to the track. You you took enough time. You're used to everything. You're, you you know you're familiar with the track. You're familiar with the conditions. Your machine, how it's acting that day, and uh, so you really you really push. Um, you know that's kind of from a GNC side of things. And then when you kind of crawl over it in the end of the desert, uh, you know, one of the things, two things like the, the that's really a big contrast between the two is it's the sand and the speed versus the the clay uh, dirt and the either whether it be tacky, slick or whatever. And and also the width of the machine. One of the hardest things it was it, it took me to, you know, for me to learn in the beginning, back in the, you know, 95 on whenever I started racing in the desert was just because you cut your wheels don't mean that thing's going to turn it's going to blow right through that corner you know out there out on the sand so uh, I had to really get used to just throwing the the ATV sideways and before I really even got to the turn and trusting it and and learning to use the throttle and um, uh, that, that was a big that was a big difference between the two I uh, was like, you know, how, how, how do you, how do you guide this thing? How do you maneuver in the sand versus, versus the clay? And one of the other things that I learned the hard way, like I was talking about all this stuff I learned, it was from, from things that almost killed me <laughs> that, uh, you know, when you're in the weeds, like in, 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 back East, you know, and it's dangerous too, but sometimes like you go around a curb, you'll drag your front inside wheel in the grass a little bit. <clears throat> well, I learned the hard way at Nevada you don't want to do that much in the desert because there's a big old rock out there about the size of a school bus hiding behind a bush. And you're going to wish you never had drug your wheel off into those weeds. You know what I mean? Uh, But, but, but learning, learning the machine and learning, learning how how it acted in the sand versus versus that other. And just, and, and, but, but also what I was talking about earlier with the GNCC, once I realized, once I figured out how to just be comfortable and relaxed, and just let my body, my natural reactions just work. That same thing, when I got comfortable in the desert, because it used to take me a little while, probably 20, 30 miles before I like really got rid of the arm pump, and just kind of quit being so tense because of the speeds that that you know, you're know you constantly just running high rates of speed all the time. And, and it, But once I got used to that, and was just like, well, as soon as I got on the bike, I was good with it that's when I realized I, I found myself going so much faster, uh, initially, but I was so comfortable. And, um, it's, um, uh, <clears throat> so it's, it, it was really, um, I'm, I'm kind of like envisioning, you know, in, in the day's race and just learning how to, uh, make the thing float, you know, in the desert, you do you know really want to keep that speed up and, and the momentum up to just float over things and, and, uh, you know, just let the machine, you know, just work back and forth and, you know, learning how to watch for the rocks and you know, knowing that, you know, just because you can't see the rock don't mean it's not there. That sand usually gets pushed up on the front of the rock and you think it's not there. You think the rock's only two inches tall and it's about eight inches tall. <laughs> you know? So and that's that's another one of those things. You never know what that feels like until you hit it. And then you're like you're looking at the ground hanging onto the handlebars and you're the bottom of your feet getting sunburned because that's the only thing pointed to the sun doing a superman. <laughs> But I I, I don't think I really even answered your question, but I was trying to compare the two and think of uh, some of the uh, uh, characteristics of each of how, in a sense, um, they both, I when I said, one of the similarities is, you know, it doesn't do you no good. You can come off the line however fast you want to come off of, but it's what happens in between. you got to finish the race. You know, it don't matter how fast you was, nobody ever thinks about, how fast you was, they remember how you finished. Right. And, right. and I've told a lot of people that it's a lot of, especially in the UTV world, you know, a lot of, a lot of people could jump into the UTVs line up on the front row. It never was really the same as coming up through the ranks on ATVs or motorcycles per se. Uh, and, you know, there are all people say, I was running just, man, just my lap times were faster than yours or I ran just as good as I said, well guys, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I said, nobody ever remembers how fast you was. They remember how you finished. You know, who took who took home the, you know, uh, who, who's got the, who, who won that day? You know, it, it didn't matter if I ran the slowest lap time every, every lap. If I finished first and it looked like a, an auto salvage out on the track because everything was tore all to shreds and you're all out there pouting and bragging about who had the fastest lap time on lap three. But that don't matter. It's it's who can play the game.
0: It's who's cashing the check <laughs> on <You know>,
1: Monday. Uh, <laughs> do what?
0: <laughs> it's who's cashing the check on Monday.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, uh, but but you know, it's uh, so so much mental, a uh, lot so much men, mental gain came into that. And you know, when you got the GNCC, a two hour race is that's a long time when you're when you're just you know you know pounding out laps and the terrain's rough and the different. So many different variables. But then also when you jump over into the desert, uh, I, one thing I really liked about the desert was in the beginning, I always try to run, you know, to my whole, two, half the race all at once, like two or 300 miles. And you would tend to just kind of get just monotonous, you know, your, it would be hard to just keep driving and driving, driving. And so once I learned, we, once we started switching out every hour to two hours, it became a lot more fun. But, even with that, you're being out there all alone. I mean, there's times that you're battling people trying to pass them, but just the mentality of of no matter um, no matter what, what turn it is or what you're doing is to always carry that that forward momentum. Never, ever keep lose the drive don't ever don't ever get to daydreaming. you know focus on every single movement because every second counts. You know, and that that was a challenge. That was one of the mental challenges of desert racing compared to the GNCC because you could be out there for four hours or something at a time, and it's easy to, you know, you find yourself backing off and sort of cruising for just a second, but you're losing time. You know, so, okay. uh, but you know, I like I said, I, I doubt I even answered your question. I just went on a big rant there. <laughs>
0: well, it was it was great. It was great so it, it brings another aspect to the question in mind and, and maybe i phrased it maybe i phrased it too broad so let's break it down to the speed transitions
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the woods what 35 40 miles an hour uh yeah
1: yeah at times and of course we know when you get out in the open sections you're running you're hitting closer to 70 but it's not you're not for long periods of time
0: but when you go to the desert. You're running fifty to seventy miles an hour the whole time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It um, and so you know that was kind of like uh, I'll I'll go back to one part of my question there or my answer. Um, you know, with getting comfortable, learning those speeds, uh, and just getting comfortable because it's a mental game. Uh, you know, and oh, I mean, it's it's it really is a lot mental. You I mean, obviously, you got to have the physical side of it. But if your mental game is not down and you're not focused, I don't care how good a shape you're in or how strong you are, um, you got to finish. You have to make the machine float. Uh, And and that was one of the things I I learned uh, the hard way. I screwed up. I think I just blew the Baja 1000 in 97 when we were down there because uh, I I just wringing its neck, driving it as hard as I could go. And not knowing that if I would have just backed off 15% or 20%, I could have still went as fast, if not faster, but I would have let my instincts take over instead of just forcing the thing through it and tearing up, you know, bending wheels, having flats, past blowing the turn and then running out of gas and sitting out there until after dark. And, and that leads, that's a whole nother story. But, um, you know, with the, with the speeds, it's just like I said, it's one of those things that uh, it took a little getting used to. And once you got used to it, and uh, of course, I was lucky enough to be riding we and being on some pretty darn nice equipment that, you know, with some awesome suspension and chassis with the, you know, the Lobo uh, chassis and, you know, with the actual shocks at the time. And, you know, that that combination was just uh, it was it would it would blow people's minds to know what you could hit and it would soak it up. But but it, it did take a lot of backbone to to keep the rubber side down sometimes too.
0: <laughs> so. I mean, that was one of the biggest things that that I see as is is a huge transition from uh, people coming from the east to the west is the speed. Hitting yeah. an edge at 70 miles an hour is breathtaking even when you're used to it and when you're not it's downright scary.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. When, when you, when you feel it, you feel it. It's, uh, and it almost becomes a, a hunger. Once you get a taste of that and you, you, you just feel that control and just feel that, that, um, the, the, the drive, it, it almost became an addiction to just, uh, when you got that fast, it was just like, it, it almost gave me anxiety to go slow. I want, I just, it was, there was no such thing as going slow and you, you just wanted it. And uh, when it, when you got up on that, on that edge, and you know, some of that's so hard to explain to people. uh, It's, it's hard to explain if you've never done it. And especially uh, some of my neatest, the, the best feelings race in the desert was out in Nevada and up in the, uh, you know, probably even, you know, about halfway from uh, Vegas in the middle of Vegas to Reno um yeah up in some of those hills and the the jeep roads around those on the sides of those hills and I can just remember a couple of times when i'm I'm in sixth gear just pin that thing is just and it's just singing, and the thing was just that those wheels are so light and just just drifting from side to side. you know when I see a turn, you know I didn't even move my body, I just pitched the a t v sideways and just drift sideways and just be throwing it back and forth and I can just remember that feeling was like, man, this is just, it's just so awesome. And because, I mean, it was just like, it, it, it's hard to explain how you was probably just an inch from just wiping out so bad, but you felt that there again, you felt like he was in just so total control. And, uh, but, and then I've, and then I've had those times where you think you're that doing that good. And then you, you, here comes a washout and that's one of those times where you're staring at the ground and your feet sticking up at the sky and you're thinking, you know, I really should hang this up.
0: (laughs) I, I know what you mean. Riding across the Nevada desert at speed. It's a surreal feeling. You are in a different place mentally than, than, maybe the guys on the motorcycles could, could have it. Um, I think Malcolm Smith talked about it or, or they narrated it, uh, any Sunday, if you've ever watched the movie, um, Mm -hmm. it it takes a little bit of mental lunacy to go that fast across the desert. When you have no idea what's in front of you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 the lunacy, that's a good, that's a good term. I think that was like a Lego block. It just fit me really well. (laughs) <laughs> because I can just remember thinking, like, man, this is just—it feels so right, but it feels so wrong, you know. So, uh,
0: got your adrenaline going, didn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was—it was awesome, and like I said, it was almost an addiction. And and uh, I, I don't—I wouldn't go try it today. Uh, I would—I would definitely have to work my way back up to it, and just because uh, uh, I, I would not want to get off today. I, I used to bounce, now I splatter.
0: ouch i'm hurting thinking about it so when you came out west and you raced in the desert what was it like going back the first time into the woods
1: you know um into the woods was always never it just almost felt like i never left because i just grew up that was that was where i grew up and uh and i guess i'd spent so much time there that it just it was just it was just a natural you know it was uh like i said it as long as uh, the biggest thing was if you if you were used to an atv uh and it, that atv worked uh you know your every the, the tires all the shocks everything that year the package that you had was 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 dialed in it worked really good it just worked and, uh, you know, the, from, like I said, the mental, now I will say this, uh, they both, they, they both, um, complimented one another. I think both of them gave me an edge on the other Like in the GNCC. Um, I had an, an edge at times in the desert, especially when they would talk at the riders meeting about the tight section. And I would always bust out laughing when it's over. I'm like, I never did see the tight section they were talking about. Like you could drive, you could drive a full size truck through there. What are they talking about? You know? uh, And so for me, it was like, I was, we're running down a a wide open Jeep road. I'm waiting for this tight section to get there. And it's like, where was it? And uh, so I think they were talking about tight sections for um, like trucks or something, but, and, and, you know, there was times that, that my GNCC experience made me very, very comfortable I'm just running it, wringing its neck through sections that people was like, "Man, you're an idiot! What are you doing going that fast through that?" I'm like, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> all right, oh, good, man. I'm, I'm, I ain't got no problem. Or, or you know, whenever uh, you 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 you'd go down, I don't not if anybody's ever ran the power line section in San Felipe, uh, and in New mm-hmm. Mexico, if you've ever ran that loop down in, all through there, you know what whoops are. And you know what, uh, you know what it take. you know what grit is because you gotta have grit to just ring that throttle and just hold it for 30 miles. And uh, so when you come back to Florida or wherever, uh, you know, some people may not be that comfortable in going that fast in the fast sections, but you're used to it because of every, you know, the, you just rode 400 miles of, like you said, through the Nevada desert or, you know, Mexico, or wherever and then you get you so so it, they both made me better a better racer in in both aspects i learned a lot from each one that crossed over at different times when it, you know it, well, it wasn't planned you just had that experience and the, and the that you had that you had under your belt and it, and it just came into play a lot more than you thought it would so.
0: right right i i know that you raced in nevada and you raced in Mexico and the the terrains there are massively different or the styles of the way you race. The race is totally different as well. Did you have any transitional issues uh, transferring from Baja best in the desert to cross country?
1: Uh, not really. Uh, it, the, the biggest thing was just learning uh, like Nevada was definitely a lot rockier than mexico and and in like, like in some places a lot more uh rougher like just a washed out like choppier rougher to rocky terrain in nevada i noticed at least down in the low desert you know when you got up closer to reno it seemed more like mexico you know uh, but then but then mexico has its whole other realm of of challenges and silt beds and you know rocks and just gnarly uh you know they're pretty dangerous spots you know and they're nowhere near the markings in Mexico you better pre-run it and you better remember it. Nevada they all in the best in the desert they always done a really good job marking things so you could you knew you you got used to you learned to trust you know Casey folks used to do a, a splendid job marking those races and it was really hard uh because to learning to trust how he marked those tracks was a big deal because it took a lot of faith because you were putting your life in his hands. because you know, you're like, well, once you learned it and he, you realize he was consistent with how he marked it, it, it was, it, it helped. It gave you an edge, but in Mexico, you take that mindset, leave it at home and go down there with a whole different mindset, pre-run it and, and you know, uh, remember it, and 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 be cautious because you know. And then you got all the people down there that's you know digging holes, making booby traps, and pushing rocks out into the, the road, and all the 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 ins- insanity that goes on down there. Uh, so you know, there was it was there was a lot of a lot of different. Uh, like I said, it, it a lot of people can go fast, but who can play the game?
0: Well, and, yeah, uh, I mean. But- I raced one time in Mexico and psyched myself up before the start of the race and didn't wake up till the race was halfway over, (laughs) you you know, and I never got the opportunity to race a score race. I raced the one best in the desert down there. Um, I probably would have enjoyed it, but it it is a different mindset. Um, Even chasing in Baja versus chasing in in Nevada, it's 1000% different the way you drive the vehicle the what what you look for yeah it's it, it, it's pretty crazy um i like your analogy of all of that um i think it's pretty masterful that you could go from such high rates of speed to back in the tight technical and not even bat an eye you just you were home and you just rode
1: yeah and it uh it, like I said, and I, put, I spent a lot of time in the desert. It took me, a, it took me a little while before I, I really got to where desert would felt home to me. And, and, uh, like, and from the very beginning, as soon as I got on the quad, it, you know, cause I like I said, it took, it used to take a little time to get used to, I'll start blowing corners and everything. It took me a little time to get used to how to, how to drive the machine in, in the desert. And, uh, but once I got it, and it just became a way of thinking. It just that that's just exactly what it was. It was just a way of thinking, and and once I got my my body just reacted with the machine. Uh, it was it, it's really it's really uh, it's very it was a neat feeling to because like I said, you're it's almost like um, you got to feel it in your gut. You got to know your gut and your your men your mentally you just gotta, you gotta feel it and know it. And you gotta have that, that trust of that. Like you said, that, that lunacy of this is going to work. It's, it's it's not going to feel like it and it's not going to look like it, but I'm twisting the throttle and it's going to work. Right. Right. <laughs> if, if it don't, I hope somebody else is around and can haul me out of here.
0: Somebody's better to be here to pick up the pieces. <laughs> well, you had a pretty good mentor in desert racing transitioning from the East to the West had to be a little better because you did have one of the prolific desert racers in the late eighties, early nineties in Doug roll.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, you know spent a lot of time with Doug and, uh, we're actually become really good friends and, uh, he, you know, a lot of what like he's tried, he shared a lot with me from his, you know, years of racing, And, and, you know, a lot of what he told me, uh, I, I didn't understand in the beginning until, uh, I, I, I told, I screwed up and then I got what he was saying. <laughs> it's almost like, it's almost like somebody saying, and, and I think that happens with people. It's like, like somebody trying to give you a little bit of advice in life. And, and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. And then it doesn't sink in. And then you go and you screw up and it's like, Oh, now I know what he was saying. (laughs) You know, it's like, Oh, I get it. And now I understand. And, and, you know, he, like everybody else and me, you know, like I I know he had learned it the same way. And so trying, and that's always hard to take something in your mind, taking what's in your mind and putting it in words and then painting that picture and planting it in somebody else's mind is a very, very hard thing to do. And it's, and you can put that theory in their mind, but they got to have reality to back it up and pull them together in one. And most of the time, that only happens with the mistake. And then right. it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, that, that that soy sauce is great, but put too much soy sauce on it, it's not going to taste good. You're like, <laughs> what do you mean? And, so if, and then, then you put, you know, you eat a little bit too much sauce and you just ruin the whole thing. But, but, like, you know, I have these weird analogies. But, uh, like you said, you know, Doug was it was really good to have him. And, uh, for one, all the years he spent, it's always nice, uh, picking up where somebody else has brought it to and understanding you can't go that fast. I don't care who you are on the face of this planet, you, you know, the fastest rider in the world. Can only go so fast with a machine that will only do so much, right? And and, you know, with with everything that he learned and his brother Mike, and you know that with their experience growing up and being around, you know, their dad, you know, Warren is is an awesome guy, and you know, just very, very uh, savvy. And they just they they all grew up being able to be fabricators, you know, and, and being able to take, you know, their experiences in the desert and start adding, you know, you know, longer wheel, wheel travel, longer wheel bases and making the machines more stable. Uh, you know, that, that was a big piece of the puzzle. And because without it, I remember, you know, pre-running on a stock 250R in 1997 and I had, th- you know, three gallon jugs of gas in a backpack and, or antifreeze jugs. And that was so miserable. I had to, and I couldn't wait to use up gas where I could take some of that out and pour it in my gas tank and get it off my freaking back. But, uh, but I remember pre running on that thing and just running it wide open, you know, cause me and micro, we were, you know, we were always talking, we were talking smack and I went out, run him. He's on He's on a KX 500 and I had no, didn't stand a chance for that KX 500, you know, but, but we were, you know, kind of going back and forth. But I remember that, that the, the ATV just bouncing through the, over the whoops and then I got on the race quad. Uh, in 97 and that was the first time I'd rode a Lobo chassis and you know this thing's wider you know I don't know how much wheel travel it had had a tall seat it just it was just set up and I can remember thinking when am I going to get to that place where I was just kind of bouncing across those whoops and I went through it all and I'm like where was that place at (laughs) and then I realized did that bike just soaked it up it was just like a spider you know and uh, (laughs) And I'm thinking, like, I'm like, when do I, when am I gonna to get to that one spot where this thing's gonna bounce everywhere? There was no bounce. The thing just stayed flat through the whole time. And and uh so that the the machines he built was there it was pretty all awesome. very, very impressive. And I remember uh I can remember watching him, me and him and Mike Alec and, and my dad in ninety seven before the Baja. We went out I can't remember where we were, we were out in the desert, uh or if it's Akatea, well, or somewhere out in there, I don't really know. <clears throat> but we were doing some shock testing and uh and we I remember watching him. He went down the way down the road out uh, down the sand, the the trail, and he would come back towards those whoops. And I'm just like, gosh, he's not letting out of it. He, he, he's gonna wipe out bad, you know, and he would just come through those things just wringing its neck. And I'm like, man, it just blew me away that he was going through those whoops that fast. And, but that was what made me realize, Hey, th- you, this thing, it'll take it, just, just hit it. And, uh, so that helped me watching, you know, you know, it, it helped me to watch that. And because it, it, it gave me kind of like, okay, I'm going to try that. And then you try and you, you realize that, you know, as long as you're touching the tops of the whoops, every, life's good. <laughs> so just, just get up on top of them and, and just run it. And, uh, so, you know, I learned a lot from him and, and, you know, he, cause he grew up out in the desert you know, Adam, he grew up in California riding his whole life. And, and so I watched him some and, and, you know, we get to talk with him and, you know, we, like I said, I used to stay, and spend a lot of time with him and his family out in, uh, in Fallbrook. And so it was, it, it's, it's, it was a really good part of my life and, and a very, Glad that I did it because uh you know it
0: taught me a lot. That's that's so awesome. So that brings me to another portion of the questions. We never got real specific last time I spoke with you. I want to get a little more in depth to some high points of specific races where you really had to use your skill set. Or maybe uh, pick out a season where uh, the things may not have went the way it was supposed to, and, and you you really got in depth with uh, some skill sets that you had to develop. Hmm. Oh,
1: that's about a 10 year long question, Lenny. Uh so <laughs> well, <laughs> jump on in <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: it's uh what time is it? No, it's in uh but uh uh you know um uh, i tell you what, there was, uh, there was a lot of learning that goes into uh, life in general, you know, and, uh, but especially in the race programs and, uh, you know, I think we touched on it a little bit last time we talked, um, was, that you know, sometimes you, you're, you know, having some, uh, uh you know, equipment, you know, you're always developing new equipment and sometimes when you're developing something with a ton of potential, it doesn't get taken out of the box at its at its peak you know you got to develop it to get it there and and so i uh there was a lot of a lot of uh learn a huge learning curve went went into a lot of different years of uh, switching machines and and every time if i could have raced the same machine for uh every year that would have helped me a lot like what i'm getting at is eat for there was a few years there in the, the end of my career where you know it was like you know go from the 250 r the lobo chassis to the LTZ Suzuki onto the LTR Suzuki onto the KFX 450 and then the player or Honda and then the Polaris. I mean, it was just a constant, constant grind, but, uh, but with that, um, you know, it, you, when things aren't really going your way on the track um, I can, I want to kind of relate back, kind of back to the GNCC uh, side of things. Um, you know, some days, the, the machine may not be up to par, or, or, or you know, everything Sometimes things don't go like you you want it to, but you really got to just roll real, you know, bring yourself back a little bit and realize, okay, look, th- everything ain't happening the way I want it to today. But let me try to find what is working okay, and try to r- just try to tweak tweak it and and focus on what is working and be conservative and be consistent and then go back to that mindset of I have to finish and I have to stay steady and I but I have to stay calm. I have to stay relaxed and, and any time, and you, you can relate to like, even, even in a day of work, and like you go to work for a day and, and uh, you know, if your, your things aren't, you know, things just ain't working, you know, everything's you no know, falling, you know, not falling apart, but you know, everything's just working against you. And you know, if you get angry and you start throwing stuff, it doesn't help the situation. You have to pull back and just focus and do what you can do. We'll do one piece at a time. And racing was a lot the same way. You had to just, you had to just bring yourself back a little bit and just, just focus and be calm and relax and just. Before you knew it, you were doing more than you thought you were because, but it was all mental because you can self-destruct if you don't hit your reset button every now and then and just and just focus, so oh. um, you know with that that wasn't really uh, any race specific uh, you know with that, but but I but you're talking about challenges and trying to like with skill set, and I think a lot of that is mental because like I said there in the beginning, a lot of people can go fast, but who can play the game
0: right. do yeah. you have a a situation or a race in, in specific that comes to mind that uh that was you? Yeah.
1: yeah you know what i when i was saying that there was one year i'm trying to think when it was i think it was 2004 ironman i think that was one of the years that uh that was one race that that it, I, one of my better days so it started out you know, I'm out there, you know, we're racing and I I think I'm running seventh, or eighth place or something. I wasn't nowhere near where I wanted to be. Right. I was kind of closer to 10th to place than I was first. So, and I wanted to be up for more like run, running with the front pack, but things just wasn't working. I couldn't force it to work. Uh, it just, it just didn't feel good that day. Uh, I, I, I just, the more I tried, the harder I tried, the further back I went. And I just remember thinking to myself, I, I, in one sense, I got kind of aggravated with myself and, and I'm like, whatever, man, just, just, just relax and just, just ride. And I remember just sort of like, okay, whatever I what I'm doing is not working. So, you know, I may might as well just, just kind of kick it back a little bit and just ride to have, you know, have a little fun. And I just started focusing on just being smooth and just riding and next thing I knew, it was like, I was, I was battling with somebody and I look back and I'm like, well, they're gone. Oh, they must've hit a tree, but later I found out, no, I just actually outran them because I caught somebody else. And I thought, man, they must be having a bad, bad day if I caught up with them. And so I just kept catching people. And now before I knew it, I was running with the lead pack and I just had to like, I just had to step back and, you know, things just wasn't working but then once I relaxed and, and everything started working and the, still the machine wasn't up to as, as good as it should have been, but I took and made something good out of what I had and it made it, I didn't, I didn't just blow up, you know, and, and I remember working and actually, I actually won the overall that day. And, and the beginning, first half of the race was I could, if, if you could have said, William, if you want to pull in the trailer, just hang it up. We're good with it. And I'd have been like, you know what? That sounds good to me. Cause nothing, <laughs> nothing here is working. But, but when I just kept going and, and the next thing I know, we were all and up in front battling. And I remember diving off into a deep Creek where everybody was having a hard time and off to the left and went from like six to like second or something. And then we ended up getting the lead and, and before the race was over and, and won the overall that day. And uh, so, but it took a lot of digging deep. And, and just, like I said, I would have never in a million years, at the midway point of that race thought I would have been even anywhere close to the podium, but, but it ended up working. And, uh, there, I know I remember another time, uh, I, I got hung up and somebody got stuck in the one of the first, uh, early on in the race just got jammed up. And I went from like, top three, all the way to dead last. And everybody was done going out of sight, me trying to get out of some like grape vines and stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, great. you know there's my day, you know? So, but I just keep running and running and running. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and never lit, lifting my head up, you know, but this was, you know, the machine worked good that day. I just had a lot of adversity early on. And, uh, I remember just, just pushing and working my way up. Thinking, okay, well, maybe I can salvage a sixth place or a seventh place, just get some points. And just about two, or three miles from the finish line, on the very last lap, I pull up on a bottleneck, and I'm like, "Oh, great, just what I needed." But then I got to looking around, and I'm like, "I'm like looking at the back of people's chest protectors." I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's a single digit number. Wait a minute, there's another single digit number. Hey, there, this, here's all the leaders." And I'm like, you know, they were all in this bottleneck and here I am going, man, I'm back in the race. And I, I so I'm a little further back and I may say, and I, and I I see a way around it and I picked my way through the woods and passed everybody and came out of that bottleneck with about a minute lead with about two miles left in a race and went on to win it for by like a minute. And, uh, and so, you know, what, I that, that um, I, I used that day, that day meant that helps me through a lot of days in my life today because the way that thing started was terrible, but the way it ended up was, is, is, was the best it could have ever been. And, you know, I, I think about that day a lot when things are just not working and even in the middle of a, something that's going on for a month, you know, like things in life, is just a challenge and kind of kicking you around. I just think back on that. And I think, The, you know, you don't know, you know, some of the worst beginnings can lead to some of the best endings. Stay focused. Stay in
0: the fight. Stay in the
1: fight. Stay down and look and do what you know how to do and just stay focused and make, you know, focus on every step, always moving forward, driving along and, and not ever losing your cool. And just, you know, just, just do what you know how to do and focus on the checkered flag and because there was, and I remember my wife uh, when she rode with me in the UTVs for a while, <laughs> you know, you're out there trading paint with people, people running over, you're screaming and yelling, you know, you're just a lot, a lot of chaos happens out on the track and nobody ever sees. But, and, you know, we just made a run over us and I would just. She's like, you know, hit them, hit them, you know, wanting to like, she's wanting to get some a little bit of redemption there. And I'm like, I don't have time. We we got things to do. You know, I'm, I'm not screwed. I didn't come here to screw with them. I want to win the race. And, and I stayed focused. And then on the way home, she's like, I don't know how you kept your cool. I'm like, you know, I didn't like, I told her, I, I didn't come there to play bumper cars. We got a race to win you know, no matter what just happened, we got to focus on the win. You got to focus on a checkered flag. And, and if you think about life itself and you're, you there's chaos around us all the time, but you can get caught up in that, or you can stay focused on the checkered flag. And, you know, there was actually a, say, a, you know, they're kind of going to jump, I'm going to jump over to the, to the Bible for a second. And, and uh, if you remember, there's a, an account where Uh, where Jesus was walking on the water and the apostle Peter, he stepped out of the boat, walking on the water. And when he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on the water. But when he looked at the, looked at the storm around him, he sank. So this is like that. You think about that. And when when you stay focused on him, you're good. But when you get focused on the chaos and the trouble, you start to sink. You got to stay focused on the checkered flag. Don't focus on the chaos around you.
0: That's a good analogy. It's a really good analogy. Uh, I like to, when I'm talking to younger riders or I'm talking to riders, I always tell them, think about it this way. Stop racing and go ride with your friends. Yeah, exactly. You're always faster when you're trail riding with your buddies. Yeah. You're relaxed. You're not trying to go fast. You're, you're enjoying what you do. And there's so much of what we do on the back of an ATV is enjoyable. So why aren't we enjoying it?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, one of the things that, that I I realized once towards the end of my racing career on ATVs, not necessarily UTVs was it, the fun, it got, it got to be more work you know, and it was more work than it was fun. It was more competitive than it was fun. And, and it, because it was serious, it was business. And, and I I often said, I've moved away from what I love to do. What I love to do was just run through the woods and just have that feeling, you know, of just ripping through the woods. And sometimes the racing side of it would just get in the way of what I love to do. And it just goes back to what you said, quit racing and just go ride. And, and and you, and, and, you know, like I was saying earlier, with long, if you're relaxed, you're going to ride, you're going to go faster and that you riding mentally riding with your buddies and not racing and everything being on the line and all the points chase and, Oh, I got to do this. Oh, am I going to have sponsors next year? If I don't do this and all that, and all the craziness, just the stress that goes along with it all, you know, and, uh, and all the, you know, all the hype around you. Oh, you got to beat him! You got to beat them. Like just everybody's just step aside and let us go do what we do, you know? And, uh, but it, but that goes to back down to it. It's like, uh, you know, when, you know, when racing, uh, you know, Bill balance was always really good at that. And uh, you know, he, he did a good job at the mentally and uh, uh, I think sometimes he would almost drive himself crazy. He'd be so dead set on, you know, what he had to do. And, uh, but he he would he would get a very strong mental state. He would he would hang he would hold it together good through a lot of that. And you know then you got like Walker Fowler, you know Chris Borch. I mean, there's so many that I'm i have not even really mentioning. And I and because there's so many and but um uh, but that that whole part like you said, you know riding riding with your friends and you're not instead of racing. It's uh because it, you're there because you can you you know how to ride and you got to get back back to that and that, that's one of the things that i really liked about desert racing is because you had so much time to, to get in that just to stay in that groove and you really wasn't there wasn't all this chaos around you people wasn't just banging all over you every second <clears throat> because you had some space you just had to focus on the terrain and just and just tear it up
0: I liked the, the solo feel of the desert. And I also was scared to death of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes you're out there in a canyon and you're all by yourself. There's no dust trail. You think you might be lost. You're just about to the point where you're going to turn around and you see a course marker and you're like, oh. Oh, that's awesome. And you, and you, you get that revitalization that it's okay to keep going.
1: Yeah. At Mexico that, uh, you know, sometimes you would go 30 miles without even seeing a marker. And, you know, that's a long time to wonder, am I just driving off into no man's land here? You know, and then you're like, everybody's going to be mad at me. I've screwed up the race. They're going to, uh, they're going to like, did I even, did I, was I paying attention pre-running? You know, one, I I tell you one night, I was on Lake Diablo uh, in 1997, the Baja, where I, I really, I just blew it that I actually took out of the pit, you know, out of San Felipe and I was running hard. I was going into the sun and I couldn't see real good. And I blew past the turn. It just veered off the desert. It wasn't really a turn. You just took off the road and gradually started going off to the right. And uh, pre-running, we could see that. But during the race, there was people, vehicles parked everywhere. You're kind of going through them, like spectators. And I just blew out, blew out this road because there was vehicles parked all along this road. But what they were doing, they were all standing down here. And I was in a hurry and I went out through there and I realized, man, I'm not even on the track. And I got mad. I turned around, I got, I was mad. And then when I turned around and I got back on the track, I was running too hard. I had a flat. Then I was even madder. I hit another rock. I had two flat tires and I ran out of gas because I, I, I ran the extra mileage. I was dragging two flat tires in a sand wash uh-huh. and I ran out of gas. And I, there I was sitting and I had plenty of time to think about it because I was just sitting there and, you know, uh, but anyway, I was on. it was almost dark. I mean, the sun was down and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm spending the night here. So I kind of started digging me a little hole in the sand and, and I'll just tell you, everybody gives you those stupid little space blankets to put in your fanny pack, uh, I, I, that's like being you know wrapping up in your imagination i'll right? just be honest with you i don't know if you ever tried to unfold one of them things and you're tearing <laughs> it but it ain't all it's cracked up to be but i'm sitting there trying to think okay well i gotta i gotta you know figure out how to survive this night all alone in the <laughs> desert uh and this this chase truck comes by this chase another they're trying to find their truck and they stop they're like hey man are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm good and they're like uh i said i'm just out of gas and they're like well, is somebody coming to get you? I was like, no, I guess I'm just spending the night. That guy's like, screw that. He said, I got some motor oil and gas here. I said, dude, I'll try anything. (laughs) And so they jumped out and and they got me. So they had this antifreeze jug and put some gas in there. And he had a, he had a, a bottle of motor regular, you know, 10W 40 motor oil. And he just poured some in it going, how's that look? I was like, it good to me. So we just we don't have no idea how much he put in it, and didn't even know. I shook it up, poured it in the bike, it cranked and ran. I thanked him and I took off. And but when I ran out of gas, I sat there because I was supposed to get back to the pit. When you come out of, uh, I think it's on Highway Three, we're right right by Lake Diablo, and uh, I would have been there plenty of time and put the light the light bar on and, and took back off. But where I ran out of gas. I laid there for three hours and it was already dark. So I actually got to run 90 miles in, in the dark. And, uh, that was actually, there was, luckily there was a full moon that night and I ran faster with no lights with a full moon than I, I think I could, then I could have done in the daytime. But so anyway, going back to my, I'm getting on real long on a story, but I finally get to my dad and then we, they put the light bar on and it's good to see them, you know, oh man, that was a great feeling to see them. And, uh, cause I think they're on zoo road right there where zoo road comes in back. And I, so I got my light bar on there. And so I get out on the Lake Diablo and we're out I, where I pre ran in the daytime. You can see way out there and you can see where you're going from those markers. When I was out there at night, I couldn't see those markers because my lights would only go so far. And I was, I thought I was going straight. And so I'm running across this thing It's probably 15, 20 miles or whatever it is across it, you know, and I think I'm going straight and I look way over to my left and I see one of those yellow lights, kind of like it was in the back of a buggy or a trophy truck. And I'm like, what are they doing way over there off the track? And they were on the track. I was off the track because I couldn't, I was just gradually going off course and didn't have any idea. And I was out on that lake bed for a while, and I finally caught those lights and got back to back on track. But if it, if I hadn't have seen that light, there's no telling how long I would have been on that lake bed, circling around trying to find my way off of that.
0: Until you run out of gas again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I don't know. I got off. I got off on a big tangent there. All that, all those memories, they just come back to you, you know. And I I forget about all the things that you just that are stored away in my mind that. And the experience down there, and it's just like, man, people just wouldn't believe it. You know, no. It's just an everyday thing down there.
0: Oh, totally, totally. Nobody, nobody believes the stories that, that we can tell them from whether you're a chase guy or whether you're a, a racer. The, the experiences in Mexico are phenomenal. They're just it's, it's, it's amazing. I think,
1: it, I think the, the chase and the chase truck business always were. I, I think I always felt safer on a racetrack than I did chase
0: <laughs> we'll get into that conversation one day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that could get pretty lengthy. Yeah.
0: I know I scared more than one racer sitting in the passenger seat, you know, but uh, my job was to get them to that spot.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, you may have to talk to my dad about that because he drove the truck. I he, I was always with him. So
0: <laughs> and uh, hey, I didn't, I didn't get paid to miss a pit yeah <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. They, they were on me and and i i worked a lot with uh, craig christie this is after you probably retired um and the deal was you have to be at this point at this time i don't care how long the line is i don't care if you get lost i don't care you still have to be at that point at that time mm. and uh i never missed yeah. Very, very, very lucky, very fortunate. Yeah,
1: no, no, no taco stands in between pits. <laughs> you know, No stopping getting tacos in between pits.
0: <laughs> no, because you'll miss your pit.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, 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 you'd be fired. You'd be selling tacos to make a living.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And the, the <laughs> after the the team skins you for not being where you're supposed to be. Yeah. William, I want to thank you. That that this was an outstanding conversation and uh we touched on a lot of the topics that i wanted to uh to get to i really appreciate your time and as always i want to invite you back to atv talk so that we can go over some more in-depth cross-country racing
1: yeah well any i appreciate the time to be on here and uh Uh, I, I I get pretty long winded sometimes and I get off into the weeds a lot talking about this stuff, bouncing from one thing to the other. So it's, uh, it's hard
0: for me to give a simple answer. You did great. You did great. And I appreciate it. I have one more question. Um, totally off topic. What do you think about the AMA putting Gary Denton in the hall of fame?
1: Uh, uh, that was a pretty cool. I've, uh, I seen, I he, uh, I seen that on online the other day, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know there was a Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, there's a Hall of Fame. Well, that's neat. So, so, but uh, you know what? I think Gary uh, he won a lot of championships, and uh, he uh, he did he 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 won a lot of races, and he he was definitely dedicated, and they had a really good race program around him for a lot of years. And, uh, so I know it had to be a pretty special time for him. And, uh, so I'm, uh, congratulations to him for, for that. So I'm sure that I'm sure there was a lot of bench racing going on there. I seen a lot of the pictures. I, I thought, yeah, I'd like to hear a lot of those stories. And, uh, because I was there doing a lot of it. I was just a kid, you know, when we wasn't, uh, trying to throw trash cans out on the in the parking lot of the hotel or something as a kid being stupid, you know, we were at the, you know, at the races and stuff, but they were all, racing well i was just a kid running around at that time so
0: yeah it, it, it's a pretty amazing story and uh, gary's one hell of an individual and a great racer um but that, that that's pretty good i didn't know you didn't know there was a hall of fame <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so, uh, that stuff always happens in california
0: i'm out here in the hills you know so <laughs> oh, you're not out in the hills <laughs> you, you you have a civilian job don't you
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I I, you know, me, I like carrying it on. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, we're good. It's, uh, but yeah, I the, uh, but yeah, it's been real Lenny and, uh, I always enjoy, uh, I, I I'm glad we got to catch up because, you know, uh, you know, we all know life's speeding right on by and, you know, every now and then we, we, we hear some bad news about somebody we knew that's, you know, no longer with us. And, you know, we we all take life for granted. And those days, like you were talking about, there was a lot of years that uh, we knew they were fun then, but we didn't know how fun they were until now. And uh, we were just really, really fortunate to all go through that. Nobody be really seriously hurt or, or killed. And, uh, you know, of everything we did and, and being able to sit here and talk about it and reflect on it, it was, a, it was a pretty special part part of life. And it helped mold us and craft us into who we are today.
0: Exactly. Well said. Well said. William, again, thank you so much for having a great evening uh, and, and a great talk with, the, with us here at ATV Talk. Um, I will be reaching out to you again to come on the show uh, because I have a whole nother concept of things that I want to talk to you about. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming on.
1: All right. Thanks, Lenny. Take care.
0: That was awesome, brother. That
1: was yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a, i i i'm a, it's sometimes hard for me to answer a question and and uh, really give you the answer you're looking for. You know, as far as like the the information and and uh, is it's so much. You know, like I said, it all it's hard to take your mind and put it into words.
0: <laughs> you, did, you did. It was incredible. It was great. That is exactly what I'm looking for for a conversation with with people. Um, think about this. And, and let's think about it over the next few days. I want to have a conversation with you about the legends and the champions in the cross-country world, you know, starting out with maybe um, DeLulu and, and Teddy Trey and Bob Sloan rolling into Barry Hawk, you know, Chris Boric, you know, balance, and, and Walker Fowler winning his seventh title this year. Mm-hmm. and i want yeah, to get your analogy a- uh, your analysis and breakdown of the, these guys some of them you got to hear about some of them you raced with some of them you get to see from a far distance nowadays
1: yeah exactly i remember i was around see my older brother raced three wheelers back with teddy he raced with teddy trey and uh Chuck delulo out we you were always friends with all those guys and delulo uh uh, Norm Bish, uh, you know, like I said, Bob Sloan. I remember, Bob, I, I remember GNCC racing before Bob Sloan even came around. I remember when he started, but I was always a little kid watching because my brother raced with them all. And, uh, I mean, Chris Gillette, Stevie Hobart. And, uh, I remember my brother and Stevie Holbert was racing for the overall, uh, win at the 1988 Blackwater and my brother had him on time all he had to do was finish the race behind him and he would have won the overall that one year that Stevie won it on a four-stroke he was the first one probably the only one to ever win it on a four-stroke he was on a, on a 250x so I was always on the sidelines playing in the creek but watching the races and and uh, I, I knew them all so it's uh they those guys it, a lot a lot of good memories and uh, everybody had stock shocks and stock wheels and everything, but it was they, you know, on the old 250R days.
0: Well, I want to get you back on the show to talk about that. So if you would bank some of those memories for me and look at your schedule in the next couple of weeks and let's sit down and do it again.
1: Okay. Just just text me and we'll figure it out.
0: All right, sir. It's gonna be after Thanksgiving because I'm I have to go to a race the weekend before Thanksgiving. And then I have a a live video that I'm going to be doing in uh, Arizona the day after Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, it's just, I'm trying to get this thing off the ground. Now we're, we're 60,000 plus downloads already. And, um, I don't know if you knew we did a press conference last month.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, the, uh, I seen something on, I see stuff online. It was at, um, was it was it you and Agner? Was there something? that
0: I did a live show um, at Duncan Racing mm-hmm. in August, but in October was it October? Yeah, it was October. We did a press conference, the first one to my knowledge in the ATV industry at Glen Helen for the works race. Uh, Joel Hetrick came out, Jacob Stevens, and mm. Grayson Eller showed up for the works round at, at Glen Helen. So I did a press conference with those three guys and then set the top five pros for works down and did a press conference with them.
1: Yeah, I actually, I did. I think I did see that on the pictures on social media, all you guys uh, talking and stuff. So.
0: Yes. I don't think it's ever been done before.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't recall. I don't
0: recall it ever being done. So we're going to try to do it again at prim in two weeks.
1: That's cool. Well, uh, I, 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 you're doing good at it and uh, there's nobody better to do it than you, buddy. And uh, I hope I wish you all the best and I uh, hope it, uh, you know, I hope you looking at this thing 10 years from now going, wow, what a ride.
0: <laughs> William, you summed it up pretty special. I've had multiple careers. Most people in our industry get one run. Mm-hmm. okay i've been doug eichner's mechanic i've worked as and he was a champion i worked with craig christie he was a champion i worked with mike sloan he was a champion uh i've worked with the simmons uh simmons brothers they were champions I, I i've had such a an amazing colorful career i've got to race and deal with people such as yourself and who gets to do all that
1: yeah. Yeah. It's uh you've uh and you yeah, you've had a you've had like I said, you've had a good long career and, and uh just uh the experiences in it. And you know, there's there's times that I miss a lot of the, the the people is what I miss about racing as much as anything. And uh, you know, but it's uh but you know, like I said, everything just, you know, was where kind of where I ended up going off to and uh and if, uh, we were, we were not being recorded. Right. So we're yep. just, me and you talking. So yeah, well, if these, what I guess, well, I'm going to be real honest is these idiots keep pushing all this vaccine crap down and probably screwing up my career. I may be coming back to the racing world doing something. Right. <laughs> so, but you know, sad, but true. But I, you know, I don't know. They they can take that needle and stick it somewhere. I they ain't poking me with it.
0: Right. Me either. Me either. So,
1: but, uh, but I do work in healthcare, and they just dropped another mandate. And I just told my business partner, "I'm like, man, I don't know what's about to happen, but
0: if it but goes HIPAA down, it's feel- A mandate isn't law. Yeah. There, and 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 you know what a HIPAA violation is? Oh yeah. So you can't ask me, anyways doesn't matter whether I'm vaccinated or not. You can't ask me. (laughs) I don't care what their mandate says. The law says you can't. Period. (laughs) So get a lawyer and I'll see you in court.
1: (laughs) Well, that's the problem is they, their law, you know, they don't, they don't pay money. They use their, our money for, to pay the lawyer to kill us with them. And we have to hire them with our money
0: yeah and then you just sue them and then we have to take somebody else's money from them to give us money to pay back our lawyers the lawyers are the ones getting rich not us
1: yeah exactly exactly and uh, they'll they'll always play with my emotions and i'll end up saying something stupid and then they'll have me
0: (laughs) well hey you answered this you answered the question during the the show dude keep your eye on the ball man keep your eye on the checkered flag Exactly. Right. exactly. Exactly. You keep exactly. just you're not going to sink.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh uh, uh you, you know turds float.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. I'll give, you that, I'll give hey, you that one. Hey, that's one good that's
1: that's one good that's one plus there so
0: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
1: And As somebody asked me one time, they're like, why do you beat yourself up all the time? I say, because I'm the only person I can smart off to, and I don't get punched in the face.
0: <laughs> right on, right on. Exactly, exactly. Oh, brother, it right, a lot of right. fun. it's always right. a lot of fun to talk to you. Same here, uh,
1: tell the hello.
0: I will. You get some rest. I'll be in touch after Thanksgiving, and we'll sit down and talk about the, co- the cross country memories and the history. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com.
1: Brought to you by Take Two Custom Teams, screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time.
0: More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share
1: us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk
0: News. We'll see you next time.